Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset for another week. It's Sam Bruce, joined as ever by Christy Doran on what has been a uh, beautiful and long overdue late autumn day here in Sydney. Uh, mate, I've heard you've been out and about. Uh, good day. Just doing the shuttles, just getting a, a, you know, working towards a Bronco. Looking forward to seeing what I can, what I can uh, do compared to a lot of the rugby players out there. There was a good discussion on that about a year ago. I remember on the BBC Rugby Union Weekly, and there was some some good times being clocked. But I think it was someone like a Bowden Barrett who was well and truly ahead of that compared to the rest. And um, wow, he was fantastic on the weekend, wasn't he? So um, there we go. He certainly was, mate. Yeah, fantastic um, game there uh, by the Blues. Fantastic win by the Blues at Eden Park. Um, and probably seems like a, a pretty natural place for us to start then uh, wrapping up uh, round 13. Um, Reds and Blues, uh, as we said, at Eden Park on, on Saturday evening. Um, first half, uh, Reds, uh, apart from a, a woeful, woeful line-out, um, the first couple of throws in particular from poor old Albert Anna, who you can feel sorry for having been plucked from... Um, club rugby uh, amid all the struggles the Reds are, have been having with injury at, at hooker this year. Um, reflecting on that first half, um, they gifted the Blues a couple of opportunities to, to get upfield and, and of course they, they stung as they have been doing all year, particularly at home, uh, to get out to a 17-0 lead and then the Reds worked their way back and um, uh, probably a good opportunity to, to talk about Suli Asti Vinavalu and, and a piece I've just written for ESPN today um, in the wake of the the World Cup announcement last week and, of course, the uh, the natural buzz and speculation around picking up NRL players. Um, I thought the first half, as I wrote today, reflected both the um, the risk and the reward uh, that is available uh, in NRL players, particularly in the outside backs. Now, Suli, within the first five minutes, I think, was held up on the tackle three times, uh, managed to get an offload away twice and then was turned over a third time, then comes back later in the half scores a try, sets another one up, and it really showcased both the, the challenges but also the benefits of, of having a player like Sully uh, in your team. Yeah, yeah, and I, I read that story. and <clears throat> I think we're all fascinated to see what happens with Sully Bonavalo because you speak to those that are um, uh, manage him, look at him every day or at training or those in charge of his fitness programs, and they all say that he is physically the best player in, in Australian rugby at the moment. They haven't seen anything quite like him. So we, we, we see that, but we haven't actually – we hear that, we actually haven't actually seen that. We're finally starting to see him do something on the field because he's very, been quite, quite as a, a church mouse in, in recent weeks since returning. But on the weekend, is, is it a surprise that he started to show something when James O'Connor comes back on? Um, you know, after a number of weeks with it, with an injury, I, I didn't think that there was a coincidence there. That was, that was um, you know, a number ten who knows how to get someone into a game. But he also went looking for work, and that was pretty obvious because a couple of times Tate McDermott does the inside ball, and Bunavalo runs a really hard line against the grain and, and ends up scoring um, what midway through that first half. So. Yeah, I thought you were probably a fraction tough. I think, you know, he got he got a couple of those offloads away early on and, and that's important, um, you know, that Fijian flair as well, as well. But that's probably been an issue with the Queensland Reds, Reds on a whole, particularly their tight five, just running a fraction high. Um, and, yeah, frustrating from a... You know, not surprising that the Blues win this game and win it reasonably comfortably because you look at the people that have taken out of that side and... 
yes, there was injuries, but when there's a couple of guys that are ruled out <clears throat> through not only concussion but sickness, then that really stings because they ended up losing the bulk of their starting forward pack. Shout out to Ryan Smith. He was great. Unfortunately, his second-row partner, Angus Byth, who I think is a, a really promising player but hasn't quite kicked onto the level where he needs to, could in two years' time, he falls away three tackles there and that gives ends up giving tries. The first two, he and Hunter Paisami, too much space between them and, and Blythe doesn't have the pace. And then in the second half, that happened again and Bowden Barrett ends up scoring a, a scintillating try. And it's great to see him back because he's such a classy player. How worrying, mate, that period immediately after halftime, uh, not just for the Reds, but by extension, the Wallabies as well, because how many times have we seen this in the Bledisloe Cup in particular, that a Wallabies team works so hard to get themselves back into a game of rugby in that second quarter and and perhaps, you know, is within striking distance uh, at the break as we've seen the last couple of years and then come out of the sheds half asleep. And we also saw it in Sydney at Leichhardt Oval for the Waratahs on Saturday night. Um, how concerning that, um, particularly for the Reds, that, uh, you know, the, the Blues are able to go bang, bang, as you said there, uh, Clark and then Barrett, and effectively ice the contest at that very moment. Yeah, dispiriting, isn't it? Because they just, they'd worked so hard to get back into that match. You know, classic time and, you know, no, that's at Eden Park, isn't it? So it's one of those those things. Oh, I, I, I don't think you can be too harsh on them simply for the fact that, yes, it's, you know, half the team's missing, particularly half the forward packs. So, you know, it's something to build on that that result. I almost thought that there was passages of play there, particularly with the attack that are much more encouraging over the, the last couple of weeks. We saw Jock Campbell score a couple of tries. We saw Vunabalu come into the game. We saw a nice piece of um, work from Josh Fluke towards the end there. Tate McDermott continues to grow. Um, you know, he got charged down with the box kick but then fights, and that shows his fighting characteristics. So I think coming up against Moana Pacifica this weekend is a, is a crucial one, one that they should bank, hopefully from a Queensland perspective, they get five points. Uh, and then that can potentially catapult them towards, you know, a final, which is only a couple of weeks away now, isn't it? Yeah, good question from Flank, basically asking uh, after your call out on, on Twitter last night for questions for today's pod. And thanks very much, Flank, around essentially what we've been talking about with the Reds. Um, I, I guess, does it mirror the the situation with what the Brumbies happened to the Brumbies last year, this year for the Reds, that they've just been so absolutely ravaged by injury? Um, of course, uh, Harry Wilson and Fraser McWright both uh, missing from the weekend. Of course, we mentioned that the struggles they've had at Hooker, um, Hunter Paisami's missed some games and, again, left the field um, on the weekend. Um, you know, they, they've just been hit so hard. Um, can they flip the script here? You mentioned Mayana Pacifica, then finish off with the Crusaders next week. Um, uh, that's clearly going to be a tough ask, given from what we saw them, from them in, in Canberra on, on last Friday. So um, if they get to the finals, limp it, or manage to really build up a, a little, at least a little bit of momentum, these closing two weeks, can they can they do a bit of damage uh, in the playoffs at all? Yeah, well, it was something that Harry Wilson, I think, spoke about today in, in a press conference was exactly that. You, you don't really want to come up against a Queensland side in that first weekend of, 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 of knockout rugby, but at the same time, I don't think you want to come up against most of those top eight sides. So, yeah, let's be honest, you'd probably fancy yourself if you're a New Zealand team against the Waratahs, um, simply for where they are, a building list, a side that 
you know, have have surpassed expectations this year. And, you know, we're seeing now with one or two injuries, uh, we're going to see now with, you know, Izzy Parisi out for a short yep. period of time, hopefully, that they're going to lack a lot of punch. You know, a lot of their ta- attacking prowess had been from Izzy Parisi simply from either drawing numbers in or, or secondly running over the top of them. So um, I think the, the Reds, you know, Taniela Tupo is someone that's really, really influential to them and, and they will certainly be in with a shot whilst James O'Connor is there, but they need to get their hookers back right and as well as Taniela Tupo. Is, is the question, is it like to like from last year with the Brumbies? I'm not so sure. I think the Brumbies had, were missing right across the pack. Um, this year for the Reds, they've, they've lost a couple just recently, but they always looked particularly thin. Um, but I think the, the draw, more than anything, last year killed the Brumbies straight off the back of a final. You lose a number of people and then you have three weeks immediately over in New Zealand. The Reds thus far, look, a game down in Melbourne, they've had a couple at home. Um, it's not been quite as punishing as what the Brumbies experienced last year. But but nonetheless, an opportunity now to these next couple of weeks show what they're made of because there are a few players that are going to be leaving this Queensland side at season's end. So an opportunity to stake their claims. And I would be surprised if Lucan Loto doesn't come back in the starting team. I was pretty shocked that he, that he didn't start last week. Um, I think he's important just because, yes, he runs high, but he's got test experience um, and and in a pretty inexperienced type five, that's important. Moving on to the Brumbies, we'll we'll jump back to Friday night and uh, I think we're all excited for this one uh, when we spoke about it, particularly on the podcast and then about 24 hours later, heard the news that both uh, Noah Lolasio and, of course, Rob Valentini were out. Now, I mean, if you're going to take two players out of that team... um, that's them really, and it's and it's going to leave them chasing their tails. Uh, given from what um, how good Valentini's been over the last two years, and and Lollisio, I thought since he's been back there, I think his first game back was the the Highlanders game um, down at Super Round. He's looked really really crisp for the last few weeks, I thought. And um, so putting Rodiona back in there, I mean, a tough ask to come in as it is, as we've spoken about on these one to two off occasions. Um, and they just struggled. Uh, they opened up the scoring, and then the, the Crusaders went bang bang and. Um, that's a team you just don't want to be trying to chase, aren't they? Yeah, you're not wrong. I felt a bit sorry for him, particularly it was a shocking start for, for, for Rod. You get charged down, try, and then soon after, uh, what is it that, you, you know, the ball just doesn't quite bounce up for him as well and, and he ends up losing it there. And Severo Reese, I think it was the man. Um, uh, you know, that, that's unfortunate. And, and Noah, I think, he's, he's going to be returning, which is good for for him and for the Brumbies, um, Rob Valentini has been the you know, just about, well, probably the Brumbies' most influential player, but I think he's been the most improved Australian rugby player in the last two, two and a half years. So he's he's hugely important um, to to them. You know, it looks like he might be out even up until a semi-final, which is a devastating blow, but we know that the Brumbies' back row, yes, it didn't quite complement each other as, as it usually does without Rob, with his penetration, with his game line dominance, um, just with his prowess, with his speed that we've seen recently with his charge downs and getting to the line. But there were, you know, a couple of things. Resilience is a really important thing, and I thought that they showed good fight to come back into it. Yep. Um, they were probably beaten at the set piece, the scrum particularly. 
Um, but Tom Wright had a, a cracking great game, didn't he? Um, you know, he's a guy that needs to work on his consistency more than anything because the skill is there. We've seen it time and time again, even at test level. But then there's moments where you scratch your head and you go, hang on a moment, how has that happened? But that was his best game probably for in a Brumbies jersey, I'd say. And you know, it came at the same time as Tom Banks having one of his worst ones. You know, two or three terrible kicks, got, dropped a couple of high balls. You know, you just wonder whether or not uh, I think he's still favourite to wear that number fifteen jersey for the Wallabies. But things around his his um, contract going forward, the the noises off the field, do, do they start to have a, a little bit of a uh, a role and a factor in someone not quite executing how you'd usually expect? Question without notice, mate. Is Jock Campbell is he closing that gap? I thought he was one of the best for the Reds. Uh, over there at Eden Park and probably has been for this period uh, before when they were without James O'Connor. Yeah, I, I, think he, I think he should be closing the gap. If you're picking James O'Connor to play the number 10 for the Wallabies, oh, you strongly consider playing Jock Campbell at, at fullback, you know, because simply for continuity, you're going to be having Hunter Paisami in there. We know Samu Karevi goes in there. I think it's important to have uh, someone, and I've, I've said this time and time again, I think it's important to have a bit of a link player, someone who can pass left to right. We saw Jordan Bataille on the weekend in the opening minute, couldn't even pass a left to right ball, hit the ground, and meant that Suli Vonavalu ends up being held up because he's had to, to stop and then start again. Oh, I would have no issues if Jock Campbell starts in the 15 jersey. I still don't think he will. But I think, I think he deserves an opportunity to, to get into camp because he's a guy that um, hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, now with O'Connor back, you would expect that, that he will start to show a bit more of what he's about. Um, you know, one or, two, one or two kicks he put up on the weekend as well. He's a good player. Now, the Brumbies, of course, have got a really the toughest backup in the competition, having come off the loss to the Crusaders and faced the Blues. Now, a question that uh, was put to us yesterday on, on Twitter, mate, which I think you might have in front of you around the Brumbies crowds. Well, it was simply what, what is, I think it was from, um, from Oliver there, who's, who's always active on social media, it's good on him, but, you know, what do the Brumbies have to do to, to get a crowd? and you know, you speak to various people, is it rules, is it the product? You know, it might be a factor of that. Is it the fact that they don't have a roof and it's getting into that stage where it's very, very cold? You've, I think you've done a couple of calls on that today to ask to, to, to figure that out. Yeah, just speaking with the Brumbies, and they're as frustrated by it as, as you know, everyone else who watches on at home and, and certainly um, in the sunshine there the other week with the Hurricanes. And I think it's probably been put back in the spotlight by the fact that the Waratahs have had you know, back-to-back really strong crowds at, at Leichhardt Oval now, um, as we'll get to shortly. Um, but, yeah, this just, you know, and I think it was last week on on uh, some of the highlights that were being used to pump up this game and you look back to the Halcyon days of, of Super 12 and you can see people right up in the top of, you know, GIO Stadium, Bruce Stadium as it was there in there, you know, layers upon layers and uh, the place is absolutely heaving and it's packed. Now, you've got to remember that there was some absolute greats of the game running around for the for the Brumbies at that point, clearly. But um, I think there is a frustration with with the stadium now, um, the fact of, of how removed it is from the city centre, the lack of the bars and 
uh, restaurants out there and just having to, to commute out there. We know, you know, the getting people to go to Stadium Australia when it first popped up was always a bit of a, a challenge in, in Sydney. Sydney. Come on, mate. I've got to interrupt you. Let's be honest. The, the Raiders are drawing crowds most weeks and they're a side that have struggled now for a year and a half, you know. Well, then, you know, you've got to look at issues around, you know, fan engagement, haven't you? I know last week they, they lowered the prices of, of pies and chips in the stands. Raiders do tend to play a lot more games in that friendly at 3 o'clock uh, time slot on a Saturday or a, or a Sunday afternoon 2 o'clock kickoff, um, being, a, being a lower rating uh, NRL team for for Fox in, in particular. So, yeah, look, it's it's frustrating. I, and and you know what? I'm not even sure that plonking a, a stadium in the heart of town uh, is going to fix it. Um, but, you know, maybe it's it's they've just lost faith with the game, as you said. There's a frustration around the rules, but you'd have to say the way the Brumbies are playing at the moment, they're not playing an ugly brand of football back perhaps when when Jake White was, was running the team. And while they made a, a final there, perhaps the, the brand, as you said, at that point wasn't, wasn't too flash, but um, certainly Dan McKellop's got him playing a, a great style of football. So, yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, it, it is. And there are a lot of people, a lot of good people involved in that rugby franchise club. Down there. Um, and you can understand their frustration. And, and I actually have asked a number of people that are down there, having spent a few months before I started at Fox, I spent a couple of months down there doing some work for their website, and I you know those sorts of people that were once involved in the game down there aren't involved in the game now simply for the fact that they find the rules frustrating or the laws, should I say, they find, you know, the stop-start nature of it. And there, there is undoubtedly a factor in the, the Wallabies aren't consistent. Um, and as soon as you, you like, you want to give them hope, uh, unfortunately, they stumble. So... Some of those sorts of things is you, know, you like to think going to be resurrected. The laws is an interesting one. What's going to happen going forward? There's a World Cup in 27. Are there going to be fundamental law changes? I wonder. I don't think there will be because we all know that it's the North that governs a lot of these things. But things like you know stopping the clock when when the scrums um, are set or called or as soon as there's a knock on. The, the clock simply should stop. You know, they have to be set within 30 seconds or whatever it might be. But there's too much time that's wasted that's taken out of the game because of scrums, um, you know, a minute for it to set, often another 40 seconds because of a reset. Um, and then other things that are murky, like deliberate knockdowns, and 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 it just brings in so much of the sub, sub, um, so subjective around what is, what isn't, you know, yellow cards, red cards. Um, in the day and age that we're in now with concussion, with head knocks, with um, high tackles and, and going in hard at the racks, rugby's got to, I think, simplify some of those laws. And for me, that that, that means stopping deliberate knockdowns and looking at the clock and the TMO interjections about whether or not it is or it isn't. So some big challenges there, but that, that could be one reason for why rugby in the nation's capital isn't being able to, to have the crowds that they, they should or deserve because Dan McKellar and Laurie Fisher and co are, are doing a great job in terms of the Brumbies playing a well-balanced, attractive brand of rugby. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, all we can do is urge them to get her along on uh, on Saturday night and uh, and cheer on the Brumbies because they're, they're going to need it against a Blues team that um, is, uh, what are they won now, 11 straight, I think. Um, it might you be look at that. You look at that team there, and it's going to have Bowden Barrett, 
Roger Tuivasa, Caleb Clarks, um, you know, the, 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 the All Blacks back row pretty much with a, a Dalton Papalili kind of figure or, a, you know, Hoskins to Tutu. There's Akira Yuani. Obviously, Rieko has, has just injured himself on the weekend. Gone. But there are some serious firepower yep. in the Blues team. And they're playing the rugby that they've played 25 years ago. And, and that's the exciting thing, to have an Auckland-based Blues side dominating the game. They're looking like they're head and shoulders, the best team out there, uh, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, somewhere uh, King Carlos is a very, very happy man. Uh, now let's uh, jump uh, to Leichhardt Oval, mate, Saturday night. Now I was there. Um, uh, the call had gone out to fill the hill, as we spoke about last week. I didn't quite get there, but it was certainly, you know, as good as three quarters uh, full on that eastern side. Um Probably didn't um, have the same flow as the, the Crusaders game the other week, uh, but they certainly still played some some sparkling rugby in the first half of the Waratahs to open up a 15-0 lead. Now, I don't know what it felt like to you, but watching there, feeling the dominance, um, the fact that the Hurricanes had really only been up into uh, the Waratahs 22 on one, maybe two occasions where they'd, they'd been stripped of the ball under the sticks there at one point. Um to me, 15-0 felt light on for the dominance and, and it felt that this game was, you know, obviously not in no way uh, wrapped up for the Waratahs, but you just had the feeling that the Hurricanes were going to roll back into it. And and the point I mentioned earlier around the Reds coming out and being so sleepy and giving up two tries immediately after half time was the same with the Hurricanes, who I think scored within about 90 seconds. Um, and that was the start of the comeback. And, and the Waratahs were seemingly on the back foot much as the Hurricanes had been in the first half from that point onwards. Yeah, I think the surprise more than anything to begin with was the scrum dominance that the Waratahs yep. had. And, and, you know, that was key right throughout the match. You know, who, who had the, the dominant scrum was on top. And, you know, the introduction of Owen Franks and then Dane Coles really ch- turned turn the match. And, you know, Artie Sevilla, is, he is one of the five top best players in, in the world at the moment. The amount of leg drive and what he does... Um, is is simply outstanding. He's he's worth your admission, really, yep. just to, to watch him play. But um, yeah, I think some of the there was a couple of brain explosions in there, and you can't under, understate it. Unfortunately, Lala Fiketti and, and Will Harris there. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. You know, you're you're struggling. All the momentum is with the Hurricanes. You go for a quick tap when it's it's, it's what two Waratahs on on three or four Hurricanes and unsurprisingly, Will Harris, and, uh, Will Harris coughs the ball up because he's looked up and gone, geez, I shouldn't have caught for that ball. But, uh, you know, we saw even uh, with six, seven minutes to go, the Waratahs have got that three-point lead. Should they just bank another three? You know, they've already lost Izzy Parisi. Where's the penetration? Where are the tries coming from when you when you lose your most important backline figure? Um you know, should they have set up to try to work towards either a drop goal or, or, or indeed just keeping it tight? You know, there was a bit of a clumsy error there. I think it was Lange Gleeson that, that turned the ball over, yeah. um, who actually tried to inject himself and bring it. been good up until that point, yeah. Yeah. So, look, a, a frustrating one, but you, I think a couple of, you know, if Michael Hooper's out there or you can bring him off the bench or, or whoever it might be, that, that game could be slightly different. Um, They'll think back though and go, that's a that's a real missed opportunity because they win that and they go very, very close then to to finishing, you know, in that top five region. They've now got another 
two tough games. Like that's going to be very difficult against the Highlanders, who, yes, they may be one of the lower-ranked New Zealand sides, but winning across the ditch is is always difficult. So I wouldn't rule them out completely, but without Parisi, they're going to have to tweak their game, you would think. Um, but Dylan Peach, he's, he's been one player that I think was really, really pleasingly is growing with every game because he's a guy that was... Uh, with probably the exception of the Tokyo Olympics where he had a bit of a shocker, had been one of Australia's best players in the seventh circuit, did really well for Randwick when he had a, a probably a short kind of six, eight-week stint in the shoot shield. But he's now showing that he's not just a fringe super rugby player who was struggling at the start of the year. He's looking like one of Australia's more dominant wingers. And I just wonder whether or not if he continues his form with the physical attributes that he has, the technical ability and now so over the ball um, and some of his try-scoring abilities, stuff in the air. You know, Steve Hoyles would say that Dylan Peach is one of the best wingers in in Australian rugby from in the, from in the air. Um, they're, they're factors that you consider going forward into an international season. I wanted to talk about one of your tweets on, um, on Saturday night, and I think it might have been before Izzy Parisi was injured. Now, clearly, he's going to make a, a wonderful backup for, for Lenny Katow in the number 13 jersey, who I, I still think is probably just the, the the balance he would offer to a Sam uh in that midfield combo. And we saw it last year, how effective they were together. Um, you said you'd be quite happy to see Izzy Parisi uh, on the wing, mate. Just talk us through that. And and is it simply just his, his ball carrying, his, his power that he has through the line? And I guess the ability to to bring him off a bit like Suli did um, for the Reds on the weekend on those inside passes, those wider backline moves where the ball comes, perhaps gets shifted to outside centre and then the inside passes. Is that how you would see him being used most effectively? Yeah, I think exactly. We, we, this is a guy, it's not playing someone out of position here because he spent so much of his career out in the wings. I just think that you know, if you can only have three players that you're picking from overseas, you've got to be a little bit creative at times around who you who you pick. Um, now, as, as, as good as Marika Korobetti is, I, I can actually see some similarities with Izzy Parisi um, and the way that he goes into contact, um, the way that he defends um, is suspect at times. But um, you know, he's got some of those those characteristics that Corabetti does. I think Lenny Ikatel, his left foot, his defensive prowess, and the fact that he's he's pretty competent in attack. We saw that national colours. There was a good combination there with Simon Karevi last year too. I, I I think Parisi could be great out, out wide on the wing. He's he's quick enough, I think. Um, he, he is a Perhaps the perfect, or I don't know if he's the perfect utility in the sense that he doesn't play fullback, um, but he's a person that you start to consider as someone who's not, you, you don't just pigeon them, hold them in, in a 13 position or or on the wing. He, he's, he's a guy that continues to go from strength to strength. And you, sometimes you see players have a bit of a drop off from year to year. Yeah, he was outstanding and carried the Waratahs last year, but he's maintained those standards. Yeah. And, and importantly, he's showing what he can do against New Zealand opposition at the moment. You know, some of the clever clicks, kicks that he's done behind, looking up, seeing the spacing behind has been outstanding from Parisi. So do you, do you think the idea has merit? I think it does, mate. I don't know whether I'd be picking him um, straight up in a first test ahead of, uh, you know, interesting you mentioned Corabetti, whether 
you know, that would save a position. I guess we'll find out whether, you know, uh, Dave Rennie is, uh, it's probably going to come down to a call between Corabetti and, and Rory Arnold by the sounds of things, although Arnold playing a longer season up in France. So if he was, you know, determined to bring Rory back, then perhaps that does bring Izzy into the frame. Um, yeah, you mentioned Tom Wright earlier and, and that was his best game. Um, great feat. Um, equally, uh, you know, I think it's a, a line ball call. Who's got the better feat between Dylan Peach and, and Tom Wright uh, at the moment? So, yeah, look, I don't know that I'd be I'd be throwing um, in against a, an England team that you would think, even though with, with Marcus Smith uh, playing a more up-tempo and, and free-flowing uh, style of game, attacking game that, that Eddie's trying to, you know, I guess move this England side to. Um, I don't know that I'd be putting him in there with very little uh, time under his belt uh, in the past two years on the wing, but um, certainly if it was to um, to develop and, and more and more time at training on the training paddock at the Wallabies, I, I think absolutely. You know, as you said, that's where he started out for the Reds. Um, and it's probably, you know, I can't think who would have been in this. Maybe it was probably, Karebi was probably back in the centres at that point, and I'm not sure who would have been at 13 at the time, but um you know, that's where he started. So he's got some pedigree there. He probably just needs to to uh, re-familiarise himself with the uh, the specifics of the position. So, yeah, look, the good news is, I guess, is that um, he is going to be, well, he's a chance to be back uh, for that, um, what will be a probably, well, definitely, not definitely, but in all likelihood, a, a qualifying final, uh, quarterfinal, sorry, for the Waratahs on the road because it was heartbreaking last year when, as you said, he was in such outstanding form and was probably, you know, a really good shout to, to, uh, to face up against France there in the, the three-test series in July and then busted his shoulder in that um, final trans-Tasman game at, at Brookvale Oval. So great to see or great to hear that he will be back and, and certainly uh, by, you know, uh, all reports um, or certainly coming out of Waratahs yesterday from Darren Coleman that, um, yeah, will certainly be eligible uh, and fit to play barring a, a recurrence of that injury, that medial against England. So, yeah, um, I think it's got some merit, mate, certainly, uh, and um, a little bit of a shame we're, uh, we're just not going to see him over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And uh, we're getting to that pointy end where there's a couple of weeks left of, of, of the regular competition. There's Fortunately, there's going to be, it looks like, three Australian supersides in at least the quarters. You, you can't understate the importance of that to have a lot of the guys that are going to feature you in that Wallabies team to get that extra week and and maybe the Brumbies or you would like to think at least one of those sides can can squeeze a semi-final and, um, because there was times when under Michael Checker, uh, unfortunately, with, with none of these sides having finals footy, they would often go into a July series or whenever it might be, a, a Bledisloe Cup without any action for three, four, five weeks and match footy, does count, particularly when your opponents are still getting it. One franchise that we haven't paid a, a hell of a lot of attention to recently is is the Rebels, Sam. Um, you know, uh, Catherine Murphy there was devastated. How? What? What? What do I? What, what are you going to say to me to to pick us up a notch uh, off the back of that? But you know, devastating for them. But off the back of what they showed you know, on the on the field against the Blues in Auckland a week earlier. That was a brilliant turnaround. Yep. Um, what they delivered to go so close, you know, 20 seconds to, to winning a game there. A couple of missed tackles. They really just looked like they completely ran out of puff there in that last minute. But, you know, someone like a Carter Gordon had his probably one of his best games. Reese Hodge, a couple of memorable touches there. None better than that kick there that Carter Gordon delivers. But, 
what did you what impressed you out of that? And and you know, someone like a Rob Liotta had his best game of the year after a, a long injury absence. He he's a guy that to me at the moment, if I'm picking a Wallabies team or I'm strongly considering it, Rob Liotta is maybe a six and Rob Balatini at eight. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. And I think it's something we we might have touched on previously or perhaps we're planning to, is whether you could have both Harry Wilson and and Rob Valentini in the same back row. Now, I'm of the opinion that I don't think you, you can, and I think Rob Leota is um, is looming as that that perfect uh, fill-in at six. Yeah, clearly, you know, his best game since he's been back from, from injury obviously was delayed through the first, I think, seven or eight weeks of the competition. Um, he's really starting to hit his straps. Great to see Hodgie finally at last uh, hitting a bit of form and, and, you know, just Carter Gordon, even picking up that intercept, we saw that we mentioned his chase down in the Moana Pacifica game there uh, a fortnight ago. Um, I'm just wondering now whether, you know, it was, uh, I think we thought at the time it was pretty harsh, you know, dropping him um, after that first game. Um, we were speaking about trying to stick with these young 10s and and eventually you'll, you'll reap the rewards. Now, perhaps the Rebels are getting them a little bit later than what they might have had they uh, had they stuck with Carter there when they, instead of putting Matty Samoa back in so yeah just a frustrating one and certainly feel for for Catherine and uh, and all the other rebels uh supporters down there because they've done enough to win that game um taking uh getting uh nudging in front with the two penalty goals and it's just that little bit of inexperience isn't it and you flip back to well maybe if Matt Tumu was out there that um you know in, in that situation obviously he's he's injured again now but um Richard Hardwick just just probably not having the noose just to think oh this is one breakdown I just don't need to hit like we're we're not we're four points up here we don't want to give just away a penalty that they can kick to the corner um just set up your defensive line and just wait for that really golden opportunity to have a crack rather than one that really wasn't even there I mean he made the tackle in no way did he was there a clear release and I just thought as soon as I saw that I thought here comes the penalty and here comes the kick to touch and probably here comes another penalty for pulling them all down and, and it's going to wear down this Rebels team here at the finish when, as you mentioned, they were just running low on, on juice. And you see the big uh, replacement prop, Norris, I think it was, you know, brushed through three pretty feeble attempted tackles. And it's an absolute heartbreaker, isn't it? Because they've done enough to win it and probably deserve to win it against, you know, and would have been, as you said, a, a fantastic bounce back from, from last week's absolute insipid display, uh, particularly in the first half there against the Blues. So I really feel sorry for them. But... You know, you've got to take the positives, haven't you, and say this was a step in the right direction. And and if the Rebels play like that, um, you know, beating the uh, the Hurricanes away might be a tough ask. But you give them every chance to uh, to certainly, uh, you know, give the, the Highlanders a good run uh, in that final week of the regular season. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. A couple of other players that deserve mention, Andrew Kellaway bouncing back as well. I thought he had a good game at, at you know, certainly at times at 13. He's played a lot there over in England. Not so much for the Rebels, but, but um, you know, the passing game there, the long passing game of Carter Gordon was on display there too, I think. You know, he's he's one of the more comfortable and natural tens, passing tens in the game. But Pono Falmasili as, as well, another guy that, you know, was missing for the first couple of months of the competition and now we're seeing that strength, that muscle, the, the fear factor, like what he can do on the football park is... You know, there are some similarities there with, with Taniela Tupo with either his carrying ability or the fact that he can absolutely flatten someone, um, you know, in defence. So, yeah. Jeez, I, I was I was frustrated with him, though, mate, after 
he made that huge hit and then just felt the need to go on with it. Like everything we've seen this year, you know, cards galore. It's just, it's nothing short. It was a brain explosion. Yeah, it's it's not smart. No, it's not smart. And you know, it's it's probably the sort of player that hasn't played enough footy. Uh, wants to show what they're capable to give back, but you often then then find players go slightly over the board. Um, you, you like to give the player a benefit of the chance, a, a second chance, benefit of the doubt, should I say? Um, those opportunities to come back to rectify. We saw the uh, the improvement from week to week with the Rebels. You like to see that improvement week to week with players as well. Hopefully, we see Pone continue to to improve because. You know, there's, there's a reason why Dave Rennie these last couple of years has been carrying him in a Wallaby squad. It's simply he's just not been fit enough. He's not been able to stay on the field long enough, um, particularly with injuries around the calves and so forth. So, yeah, you just hopefully he continues to improve because the profile that he has is something that's something extraordinary. Yeah, uh, Rebels not completely dead yet, but uh, would certainly need to, uh, to beat uh, the Hurricanes in, in Wellington. This weekend. Um, now we'll wrap it up, Christy, or not quite wrap it up. We'll, we'll wrap up this uh, this run through the Aussie teams. We're looking at the force clearly. Um, last Friday, not a game they'll, they'll want to remember. Um, smashed by the Highlanders in, in Dunedin, and it kind of really feels now as though their season is is about to uh, to peter out, and and some real um, lack of enthusiasm left over there. But let's look ahead to to twenty twenty three then. And another question uh, came in on Twitter around. Um, what Simon Cron can do to, I guess, you know, essentially do what he's been brought in to do, and that's to to make this team, you know, not one of the great teams of Super Rugby, but one of the great teams in, of the world, as uh, as put by by Twiggy Forrest. Um, you know, can he have this pulling power that he will be able to get some really really high profile or or you know talented players across to Perth? Will he bring some with him from Japan? Do you think? Um, because uh, we know the rugby community over there is strong. Um, they're uh, they're passionate, um, and they want to get behind this Western Force team. Um, not that they already are, but they want to see. They want to be behind a winning Western Force team. Um, what can Cronny do to, uh, I guess, uh, get them heading in the right direction uh, in his first season in charge? Yeah, it's it's a good question. You know, the, to, to start with, in terms of the force. <laughs> Making it a change halfway through a season around a coaching decision and announcing that always, you know, very, very often it's a destabilising factor. Um, I wonder whether or not there was an opportunity to do that later on or, or not at the time because it it did kind of come out of thin air and it, and it came out at a time when the force, you know, there may have been one or two issues internally, but at least what they were delivering on the field was what appeared like some improvements in certainly some aspects of their game. What 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 they can, you know, we know there's a few players going overseas, and Madrano, the Fergus Lee Warners, there's the Jake McIntyres, um, you know, there's quite a number of them that are. Um, you know, I, I, I dare say he's going to heavily tap into the shoot shield. You'll be speaking to a lot of the, the shoot shield okay. coaches, having himself only coached there probably, what, yep. five years ago or so. Oh, I know that he he's he's been making calls for quite a while, a couple of months. I know that there was inquiries made to even people like Angus Crichton, who 
whether or not he re-signs with the Roosters or not, it seems like he probably will, but he can't do it for the time being because of their own salary cap issues. So, you know, for a bloke that maybe starts to reconsider given the runway now ahead of Australian rugby over the next five to five years or so, particularly in the men's game there, um, you know, a perfect opportunity if someone like him wants to come over and having spoken, spoken to other general managers across the franchises, there would be a, certainly an interest whether or not Rugby Australia would be prepared to top up, uh, throw some money there. He's not quite sure because whether or not he's back rower or, or a centre or a midfielder, I think he'd probably still be a midfielder. I think Simon Cron probably thinks he'd be more of a back rower. But yeah, I, I think that they're going to be able to throw some money at someone and, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's, if it's a a higher profile player or a player from overseas. He's spent a lot of time in Japan. He'll know that the last two, three years. So he'll know what's out there. So I wouldn't be too concerned at the moment. Um, he's working underneath Steve Hansen. If there's a person that you want to have a bit of a springboard and bounce ideas around, well, I don't think there's too many better than Shag would be. Yeah, uh, I think uh, certainly uh, watch this space for the back half of this year with the force in particular around uh, some player announcements. Because um, as we know, there was a lot of uh, players at the Waratahs, not saying that they're going to immediately jump ship because everyone, uh, I guess, you know, is so enamoured with with Darren Coleman. And, and and there's a point in that, isn't there, that this this reconnection with the club roots has been so successful for the Waratahs and, and players responding to a coach that um, had you know, had associations with so many of them already or they knew of him and, and was certainly aware of the success that he'd had at, at Choo level and, and Cronny's going to have that that same effect having uh, really had success there as well. So, yeah, I, it, it may prove to be a, a really, really a superb appointment uh, for the force. But, um, yeah, just uh, just watch uh, for some player announcements through the, the back half of the season. Sam, tell me, this weekend, off the back of 0-5, and five, you can't understate that. There wasn't a win there on the weekend for an Australian side. Yes, Fiji do get up um, over Moana Pacifica, but you know how important is it for the Aussie sides this week to bounce back, to not go 0-5 and five again? Because you look throughout the five, you know, five matches there with the key players that are missing, particularly at the Brumbies, there's one or two um, the Waratahs, you know, they'll be away. Yes, the Reds will likely get up against Moana Pacifica. But for the other sides there, how important is it that you get another win? Oh, it's huge, Christy. Uh, you look, uh, you only need to go back to the uh, the new jersey and the uh, unveiling by ASICS last week in Sydney, which uh, credit to RA taking out to, to a preschool, sorry, not a preschool, a primary school in Auburn. Uh, it's hardly rugby territory you know, rugby heartland anyway out there, but great to see the kids all playing with their, their new, their brand spanking new Wallabies jerseys. Um, and there is Michael Hooper talking about being buoyant about the, um, you know, the performances, the blanket performances of the Australian teams. Um, so to go back-to-back weeks, as you say, ruling out probably that, you know, you would think that the Reds would beat Moana Pacifica this week coming, but to go, you know, 0-4 on the on the other games then would be, would be a disaster for me. And, and I think you probably got to say, you know, the Brumbies are going to do it tough against the Blues team. I think it's, you know, the Brumbies, they might have a reasonable record at home against the Blues from memory. Um, but I would have to dig into that in the uh, the Sanzar media pack, no doubt. Um, but the the Waratahs are probably looking like the other one. Can they go to Dunedin and, and get a win over there? Darren Coleman's indicated he's going to 
rest a few players. Um, certainly, I think both Jed Holloway and, and Angus Bell among them. Um, certainly, when I asked him last Saturday that Michael Hooper, whether Michael Hooper would be back, he was pretty confident that he would have picked him last weekend uh, had it been a, uh, a knockout match or, or a grand final, clearly. So, um, medically, he must have been cleared. So, yeah, can they you know, find a way to uh, to beat a Highlanders team that, you know, certainly is, is finding form at the right end of the season, but I don't think is quite the uh, the same standard as the rest of the, the New Zealand uh, teams this year. So, yeah, they're the two big ones. But um, to answer your question, mate, it's, it's huge because, you A, these teams don't want to be, you know, completely devoid of momentum before the finals. And and we talk about knock-on effects uh, to Wallabies level as well. You want these teams, you know, even while they might all go out in the quarters that um, they can look back and say, hey, you know, there was there was seven or eight games there that we we won and, and probably four or five more that we were we were right in. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think the Brumbies will bounce back. I'm going to back them. Okay. If Noel Oliseo plays this weekend, I would back them to win. Um, I think that the, you know, often you find sides that, you know, may think that they're a bit better than what they are. And I think the Blues are a very good side, but... Let's be honest, they've played a Reds team that's been missed a few players. I don't think O'Connor had his best game. At times, he was a bit too sideways. To that. He didn't look 100% fit to me, mate. No. Um, they, they clearly wanted to, to get him back as soon as possible. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the Brumbies' front row struggled um, at the scrum. I, I don't think that they'll have the same issues a second week. Um I I think it's a it's a hugely important game for them, but I think that there's if you bring a Lolosia back, um, there's a lot more um, continuity there. Spark, there's people knowing where they need to be. Um, Tom Banks will have a better game, you would think. Uh, Nick White's just been announced for having a, another year, and we can't understate the importance of those sorts Great of things news. because it just gives everyone a bit of a buzz. It's out there, it's a feel-good kind of stories. Um, a bloke that's, you know, probably you're starting nine uh, and potentially through to the World Cup could be. So I, I just wonder whether or not the, the Blues could be slightly thinking that the Australian opposition aren't quite much puff, and I don't think they have been the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the Brumbies will be a, a good test for them. They'll be stinging after a frustrating weekend last time. Yeah, really, really important weekend of, uh, of rugby ahead, mate, uh, coming up. And, uh, yeah, just uh, the penultimate, uh, that wonderful word, a favourite of mine of uh, the regular season, but an ultimate round of the competition. I'll just get it out before I run out of breath. Uh, mate, uh, thanks again for uh, another busy week. Uh, plenty to get into. World Cup, obviously, the coverage last week across uh, News Corp and the Fox Sports uh, mediums. Uh, well done on that. Uh, and clearly, uh, yeah, big uh, run to... Um, you know, we're counting down the, the weeks to the England series. Uh, it's going to be a busy, busy time ahead. Not far away. And, you know, it is exciting because this is where if you're a test footy player, you, you start to go, no, I've got to step up right now. It's not about what we did earlier in the season. It's about these next couple of weeks because of a big match in these last two rounds or indeed in the finals footy, that's what elevates you because it's knockout footy. So I think Dave Rennie and his fellow selectors will be watching closely. And guys like Izzy, um, uh, we know Izzy Parisi, but even a Jordan Bataille, who's been, his form's been indifferent at stages, still a bit of a loose carry at times. Is he a fullback? Is he a winger? Where these players fit into a 15 is going to be crucial. So 
watch this space and, and a big weekend for Jock Campbell and, and uh, uh, Tom Banks over these next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for your questions on Twitter. Again, uh, hit us up again this week. That was fantastic. Um, lots to talk about, lots to be positive about and lots to look forward to over the coming weeks, uh, as we mentioned. So we'll uh, be back again next week and uh, look forward to talking to you then.